please welcome my special guest, the one, the only, Rob Loud, touring photographer for the Killers and a friend of the show. Uh, thanks for coming back, dude. I really appreciate this. Of course, man. Thanks. I know it's a cliche question, and I've started off the other two podcasts with this, but it oftentimes brings interesting results. What's the first time you picked up a camera? First time I picked up a camera, I remember having... Uh... It was like, I believe like a kitty kind of camera, but it was blue and it was very rectangular. I didn't know at the time, but now looking back, I clearly remember like getting pictures back after getting them developed and processed. This is way pre-digital and being genuinely excited. And so it makes sense to me now, but at the time I just thought it was something that I liked, you know, and I didn't go to school for photography, but I quickly learned after college, after having a desk job, I was doing computer science work that this is not what I wanted to do. And so I was really trying to figure out how I could get out of the office and photography sort of accidentally became that way. And I took one class in college and the professor told me, uh, he's like, if you actually left your parking lot of your, your dorm, you can actually be pretty good because basically the assignments <laughs> would come in and then I would do them, you know, at the very last minute and just kind of walk around like, you know, the, the parking lot, trying to take pictures of shadows and whatever the hell else. You know, I, I always took pictures of my friends and was always one kind of documenting things. But again, like I never just really thought of it as a career. Um, and it wasn't until I left my post-college uh, the first, you know, my first job right after college, I left that uh, to pursue something different. And then photography just sort of became that thing. And freelancing is definitely a challenging thing, no matter what you're doing, especially when you don't have a lot of experience. So there's a lot of things I would do differently. But, you know, here I am a couple yeah. of years, maybe later than I would have wanted, because now I see like all these kids who are like 22 and touring. And I kind of wish I would have done that because it's kind of a young man's game, touring, you know, moving around a lot. And I think that that's something that I really want to focus on for both my listeners and, and for myself is like recognizing that it takes a long time. Do you have any advice for people that maybe they're not hitting their, their stride with it or they're just starting out? And did you have like deal with like imposter syndrome when you first started out? I kind of hate that word, but you know what I mean? Like, did you Yeah, feel it's like, very real. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, the, I think the imposter syndrome happens later when you start finding some success. Yeah. You know, you know it's hard because when I started, there was no Instagram and I think that probably discourages a lot of people. You know, it's easy to look at someone's success and not see any of that buildup and how, you know, that it's not an overnight success. You know, it's a, you know, it's a 10, 10 year overnight success. Yeah. Where, it's so funny. You know, everyone says 10 years. <laughs> yeah. The last three guys, they've all been like, it's 10 years. And I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. So but, long. <laughs> you know, it, but, you know, it's like a band that, you know, you discover and like have a huge hit and then you go back and, and you see that they had six albums and you're like, Oh, I just heard of this band. Right. You know, it takes yeah. time. Um, sure. Like there's a lot of people that find success quickly and a lot of people maybe seem more successful on Instagram, especially than they actually are because some people are just good at Instagram um, and recycling the same pictures from the same shoot and just make it seem like you're working every single day. Um, there are other people <laughs> yeah, I see, I see a lot myself of or, yeah, yeah. who are not don't really keep up with it. I mean, I've posted maybe five or 10 times in the last like year and a half. Wanting to do it and doing it is very different, right? So like there's a lot of people that want to do like say fashion photography, but like they don't do anything about it. You know, they're yeah. not setting up shoots. They're not trying to collab with stylists or models. Like they just want to do it. So what are you doing to be able to do that? You know, if you want yeah. to shoot music, you know, you have to get out there. And that means shooting, 
you know, shows you don't want to shoot, um, shooting tiny bands, working for cheap, which is a whole nother discussion, you know, what you should be paid. You know, it really just comes down to putting the work in like anything, you know. People have really like polarizing opinions about this. Some people like never work for free. I've, I've tried doing that and then I was just broke <laughs> and nobody wanted to hire me. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm in a phase now where it's like, no, I've done some work for free and now it's time to sort of switch gears now. So, so yeah. I, I've, I have humbled myself. I have, I have done a lot of free work. I've learned a whole hell of a lot. But what's your take on, on, on all that, like working for free and, and, you know, getting paid and exposure or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's all these headlines about it, but from a practical standpoint, if no one's going to pay you, if they don't, can't see like an experience or like a body of work. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Work? I mean, I have a very simple rule where at this point in my career, if they come to me for free, it's a hard no. If I'm going to them, I will work for free. And That's good. I shouldn't use the word free. I, I need to come up with a better word for that because basically if you were working for free, then it's not worth it. But like if you're doing something that is going to build a relationship is going to help build a portfolio, then it's not really free, you know? Yeah. It's an investment. And so, um, you know, if I know a brand say has money and is, are asking me to shoot something for exposure, like that's a hard no. Right. Um, but, you know, if it's like a band I want to work with, you know, I would try to pose it as, um, you know, like, hey, I'm going to come to the show, like, you know, I'm going to bring my camera, I'm going to like take some pictures and kind of like share it with them as opposed to, you know, that I'm working for them. Um, so if I'm going to get something out of it, then, I, you know, I'm still for it, you know, yeah. whether it's um, for like a band or a project or something I believe in. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. And so. When I, when I decided to try photography, I picked up three internships. And mind you, I had already graduated college. So I'm, I have these internships that I'm getting paid in college credit, yet I already have my degree. So these college credits are meaningless. But I worked at a photo agency. I worked for a photographer. And I worked for at, um, Forbes magazine, the photo department. All three very different things where I was getting a lot of exposure to just all the different sides of photography. Like editorial portrait kind of work or? or no, I wasn't doing or... any, I wasn't taking any pictures. Um, okay. I just like one, I was like an assistant art uh, or assistant uh, like photo editor. So like I was right. just doing like very monotonous photo stuff for the magazine, cropping, sizing. Photoshop like this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Like very, <laughs> very minimal Photoshop, right. like very basic rather. Yeah. Um, the photo agency, yeah, I was like scanning. Uh, and updating like their uh, roster of photographers, um, updating like their portfolios, like for their website. Uh, and the, photo uh, the photographer I worked with, I was just doing like general assisting uh, jobs. So, but all three of those things turned into something greater. So like at Forbes, for example, the, um, the main, photo, main photo editor was good friends with the assignment editor for Wire Image. And I met her and then I started getting assignments for Wire Image. So, you know, I could sort of link certain moments in the career where I'm like, if I didn't do that, I would never be here. I would never be here. I would never be here. And so even how I met the killers was putting myself in a position to meet people, uh, to get my name out there. And like, I was taking um, a festival photographer job. I mean, it was paid. It could have been paid a little bit more, but it wasn't something I normally would do because it was in like Vancouver and it wasn't fully worth the time what I was being paid. But you know, I knew it was a good opportunity and it's turned into this. So thank you know, God he your, went to that man. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. <laughs> putting yourself, well, another story too, is I was supposed to shoot Pearl Jam that night. 
um, and my friend Hunter, he was supposed to shoot killers. I was going to shoot Pearl Jam. I asked him if we could swap. He said, sure, because he loves Pearl Jam. And so I shot the killers and then that's how I got the gig. So um, if Hunter didn't live his life traveling around the globe, um, shooting beautiful people, I would maybe feel bad, but Hunter is doing <laughs> just fine. So uh, yeah. that makes me, that helps me sleep at night. The caveat was they had to review the photos after, which is pretty common for bands of that size. So I had to sit down with the band after, and then that's how I really got the one-on-one time. Yeah. Uh, and for them to like really see my work. So that's so cool. Does that help when you're taking photographs when you know these people in sort of a more intimate way than just like a random band? I think yes and no. Like I think about when I first started working with them, being excited and everything was new. So like I would take a lot more pictures. Um and knowing specifically like what people like is a good thing but sometimes it could be it could limit you a little bit you know you may not want to try something yeah um, that could work out but maybe you're like i don't think it will work out so maybe it's not worth the time um so you know it's funny like i I actually think it's sometimes better you know it's, it's good to have like a good rapport and feel comfortable because then you can be you know taking candids and not feel awkward which yeah, that's it's what I mean, yeah. one of the most awkward things that I, I'm like, sometimes if there's another like band backstage or something, I'm like, oh, I really want to take pictures, but like, I don't want to interrupt them and ask permission. Cause then I ruin the mood, but like, I don't want to take a picture. And then they're like, who's this guy taking the picture? Right. So, you know, there's sort of like a fine line in terms of photography and documenting where like knowing them is good, but also a little bit of mystery is also good. Yeah, it keeps you like hungrier and excited for like these moments that happen that like by the hundredth time you've seen them, it's like they're not as interesting anymore because you've seen it so many times. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? It's yeah. The same thing with like the show. Like, you know, I know the moments. I know the moments that are going to work and I know exactly where to stand and all that. But like who wants to see the same photo every night? Like just because like their outfit's a little different or something, you know? So yeah, trying to break those habits of you know, what you know works uh, could be challenging when you kind of know how it's going or know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. What I admire most about your work is that you're able to document them in a way that you capture the nerves and there's like, there's like a storytelling aspect to it. That's far beyond just like, Hey, look how awesome this band is. They're doing this like epic shit. Yeah. In terms of like documenting, like on stage, I like being close to the action. And of course that comes with like having the access that I do. And it's taken a little while to get there. Some of my sort of most known photos are me really getting out there. Um, And, you know, I wear all black for a reason, you know, to try to not be seen, but I try to get close because I think even if you don't know photography, you can tell if it's with a telephoto lens or if you're close to the action, trying to incorporate the band close and especially with the crowd, it tells a story. And like, that's sort of one of my favorite ways to document, especially their shows. You know, I love looking at the little details in candid photos, you know, especially like old music photos, you know? And so when you could see like from the stage, like you'll see like, you know, they have notes taped on the stage or like little elements you can't see from the crowd or you can see yourself in the crowd, people going crazy. Like I always have fans who are like in the first few rows hitting me up, like asking me if like, you know, they can buy a print of, they're like, you know, usually the number one reason why they want to buy a print. They're like, I'm in this photo or like my girlfriend's on my shoulders or something. And that's cool. Like, you know, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. You mentioned about the different angles 
telephoto lenses and stuff like that. If you're somebody who is looking to get into live music photography, in terms of the gear, where are you at with all that different stuff? I'm all Nikon full frame cameras um, in the process of switching over to the new mirrorless uh, Nikon systems, you know, lenses are expensive. So if you're only can buy one, if you're shooting like in clubs, like a 14 to 24 or 24 to 70 is going to be the lens you want, you know, 70 to 200, it's going to be way too much lens. But if you're shooting bigger shows, the 70 to 200, you're going to probably use more. Like I'm probably like 75% on a 70 to 200 during a show like for killers, just cause it's so big. But yeah. if I'm touring with like a band like white reaper who are playing like, you know, 500 to a thousand person venues, I'm probably more like 60%, 24 to 70. Yeah. So it totally depends on what you're shooting. Um, I never really, there's a point where high ISO on digital cameras were just not really doable. So you would need like that 1.4 lens, you know, because you yeah. can only go up to about 800 ISO. But now that you can go up to 6,400 ISO without even thinking, um, you know, that's going to look bad at all. You know, there's barely any noise even at that level at this point. You know, a 2.8 or even an F4 is going to be more than enough. So um, that's good to know. I mean, don't get me wrong, like an 85 1.4 lens is like probably the most beautiful lens, especially for portraits. So they have their use. And, and I do think your brain is somewhere different when zooming means you're standing, you know, you're zooming with your feet, you know, moving back and forth. Right. Your brain goes somewhere different. You compose a little different. So I do think that there's value to that. But as someone who mostly, you know, documents, um, I prefer to just not have to carry 10 lenses so I could just and plus, you know, a lot of times you're limited, you know, sometimes you see a photo, you're like, oh, I, I wonder why they didn't like do this or that. It's like, well, because I had this much room to shoot and nothing more. So, you know, yeah. this is what I'm going to get. And so if you have a, a prime and all of a sudden the action moves towards you, you're screwed. So I like having the flexibility. And I don't know, I don't think at this point in the game, there's really much difference, you know, with people like, oh, it's so sharp. It's like, what like a nine out of ten <laughs> instead of a, a nine point eight out of ten? Like it's, yeah, the gear is so good now and and so much more accessible. Um, you know, from a cost standpoint. Yeah, definitely. So when you're delivering something for a client, and you know, there's, is it a service or or is it an art? Because on the one hand, like you have to de deliver something to them that's that they're happy with, but then at the other point you also have to make work that you're happy and proud of so where do you line up with all that stuff well i mean i think it's definitely a balancing act of you know between our you know the creative field and the service industry you know if you don't give the client what they want they're not going to hire you again and they're not going to be happy but if you give them something that you want or maybe more of your vision they can end up loving it and so oftentimes especially if you're working with a client that maybe isn't really so much a creative, you know, but it's the one that has the checkbook. Oftentimes they don't know what they want. You know, they kind of just think what they want. It's a total balancing act. Um, but yeah, always try to do at least something for yourself. As long as it's not going to take up too much time. Right. Uh, you don't want you to know. backfire too much. You don't want to be like wildly different and then they don't like right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you spend it three hours like to get like new lighting and like it's, then it's just a mess. So, I think the, the artsy photographers sort of suffer from this and, and maybe oftentimes good photographers don't ever really develop into having the career they want because they don't understand like 
customer relations. Yeah. Because they think they're just there to be the artist. And, you know, there's times, yeah, that that's true. I mean, there's, there are people that where that exists, but, you know, I always think it's the customer client first um, and then try to give them a little bit of, of your flavor, you know, and then hopefully that's what they like. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about developing your own style. And one of the things that I see is that a lot of photographers fall into trends. What's your take on that? Shit, scroll, scroll down on anyone's Instagram page, including myself, and see how awful the pictures look now that you were so excited because they had these filters, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was a pretty advanced Photoshop user when Instagram came out, yet I'm using these stupid filters. I mean, I was posting very <laughs> different photos back then. It was a lot more like just like day in the life sort of stuff. Um, not really like a portfolio tool like it is now for most photographers. You know, it's a fine line. I mean, like what's your style? Like is, I mean, anything that you create, I mean, more or less. I mean, as long as you're not completely ripping something off, I think it could be your style, even if it's something different. You know, if one photo is different from the other. So, you know, basically I, I one way I do it is I just try to stick to the very basics of if you're editing, say in Lightroom, like I used to stay with the very basics, you know, color temperature, exposure, sort of contrast. And like, that's kind of about it, you know? And yeah, I see pictures sometimes like, damn, that looks so cool. I want to like create something like that, but I either never get it right. Or I always will go back and be like, that shit was stupid, you know? And it's <laughs> yeah. the photos that I just kind of kept true. It's rare that I'm like, oh man, I really should have processed, processed that differently. Yeah. Never have that thought. I'm like, what is this moment? Is it cool? Um, does the person look good? That's what I'm looking at, you know, at the end of the day. So, yeah, you know, I try to look at it in like the broader sense than just like what's going to look cool compared to like what everyone else is doing right now. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't think I've ever printed any of my pictures outside of like when I did the dark room in high school. I know that you have prints, you have print giveaways. Talk to me a little bit about that world and, and, and how that all works. I try to, especially now uh, with anything, hire and stick to the professionals who like know what they're doing. So, you know, if you have an interest in, in printmaking, like I'm not your guy, but, you know, I'd rather just send my, my work to people who, you know, print their work. And I know people will definitely have diff different opinions and that's like, you know, I'm not like seeing the full process through or whatever, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, I send my, I send my stuff to a company called White House Custom. And yeah, I mean, kind of depending on the size, depends, um, I kind of have different opinions about like fil or, uh, paper stock and all that. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, it's a great way. It has been a great way to supplement my income. And it's hard though. Like selling prints is definitely hard unless you have a built-in audience. So I mostly sell prints of bands and bands have fans and they want prints. So, you know, if I put up like a, an art CC or, or like a landscape or something, no one's buying it. You know, maybe, maybe <laughs> one or two people. But if I put an awesome picture up of a band, uh, I have a targeted audience that I can actually, you know, make some sales. So um, prints are hard. Um, I was just reading an article about everyone's been doing it during COVID and a lot of people were helping support photographers, which was cool and appreciated. Um, but they were sort of like sympathy buys. They weren't really like, oh, I need this photo. They're like, you know what? I'm going to help this person out and I'm going to get a nice print and, yeah. you know, kind of support the arts, you know, uh, which is great, you know. We all need the support. Um, but if it's like something you think are, you're going to 
like make a career off of um, or, or, you know, be able to only sell prints and, and make a living. It's hard. It's really hard. So yeah, it's a good, uh, a good way to supplement. Um, and again, it really helps when you have the built-in audience, you know? So, yeah. And so if people were to buy your prints, cause they're really beautiful and I want to like, you know, you've been, you guys have been so generous for me. So I want to make sure that I help you out here as well for my, my audience of probably 13 people when I start this out, but it will eventually more people will tune in. Yeah. But, uh, where I know there's going to be killers. Fan. I know there's going to be killers fans tuning in. Cause they, 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 they show up. They really do. I put that oh, yeah, killer yeah, yeah. the victims show up. All, the victims all show the, up. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, you can buy my prints, robloud.com. Um, I had a collective, which I'm not really doing much with anymore, uh, that I started during COVID with about 20 other photographers. We were selling prints of uh, all music photographers. That's loud pictures. Um, it's still up and running, but I'm not like really advertising that much anymore. I was helping raise money during COVID for out of work music, yeah. uh, touring crew and, and photographers. Um, but yeah, mostly just robloud.com if you want to check out the prints. Uh, but I've been finding a lot of success with uh, prints on demand. And because I shoot a lot of photos with the crowd in the background, people often come to me and want to buy a print because they can see themselves in the print. And I think it's cool because now they could be memorialized more or less, you know, in that moment, you know, with possibly their favorite band and have a photo of that, you know, I think it's pretty cool. So, you know, people can just hit me up and ask me for a specific photo. That's amazing. And yeah, and get it printed for them. So. Do you have any advice in closing for people that are just starting out that are freelancers, photographers, any closing advice? If you want to be a freelancer, especially nowadays with photography, you better have a very thick skin and you better be very prepared for rejection. So if you've ever gone through the process of getting a, maybe a traditional job and you applied for a couple of jobs and you didn't get them, imagine doing that every single week, basically for the rest of your life. <laughs> Can I tell you how many times I would, I don't get excited for any job now until I'm literally and physically doing the job because I cannot tell you how many times I had these things that sounded so exciting that I was so excited for, you know, the day before it got called or they got someone else or they didn't have the budget. So be prepared for rejection because there's a lot of it. There's a lot more rejection. Still, I've been doing this for 20, almost, almost 20 years. You know, I, I, you know, there's rejection weekly, you know? Yeah. And so, it's just part, I don't, I don't even feel it anymore because it's just, you just know, I mean, there could be a million reasons. Yeah. So I try not to think of that. It's because I'm not good enough or like those things. I try to think of all the other reasons, you know, and I mean, actually I don't even think of the reasons anymore. I just, <laughs> just I just keep moving on. It is okay. what it is. Yeah. Thanks right. for the interest. Catch you on the next one. Maybe, you know, so definitely be prepared uh, for rejection. And also when it comes to pricing, don't be afraid to price your work accordingly. Don't forget that the people paying you often are not individual. So like where something a thousand dollars. So like, you know, me or you or the, the average person is a lot different than for a company that has, or that is worth millions, if not billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, so price your work accordingly. And if they say, no, that's way too expensive. Educate that client why it costs what it does, because it may not help you, but it's going to help the next guy or girl, which is going to just help our community and help keep, those prices where they should be. Because if you're going to use my photo in a $100,000 ad, like you're going to be paying me more than a hundred bucks. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, so um, just know your worth and don't be afraid because often I throw numbers out and I'm like, holy shit, they said yes. And in fact, they said yes a little too quick. So now I feel like I should have went even higher. 
So <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah. I it's hate the that. Worst. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, don't be afraid to work for free. If it's going to benefit you somehow, that's, you know, going to help the portfolio or relationships, but also don't undervalue yourself. So ride that line and you'll have a successful career. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Loud. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. With a whole shitload of luck involved. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, like anything. So yeah. But put I'm yourself gonna... in the right position enough, you will find luck. That's perfect. Where can people find you online? Shameless self-promotion time. Anything you want to plug? I know RobLoud.com. That is his real name, by the way. That is my real name. That's which so was crazy. never really asked that often until I started really working in music. <laughs> and if you, like, it sounds getting, like a fake name. I'm going to be honest does. with you. Yeah. And I hope that if you're getting anything from me and my demeanor, that like I, I would never give myself uh, a name. And if I were to, it would not be loud. Uh, and so, um, yes, that is the, <laughs> the real last name. Um, but yeah. yeah, nothing really to plug. I mean, you know, you can see more of my work at RobLoud.com. Instagram is RobLoud. You know, I, I kind of like doing this educational stuff. Um, so if you got questions, um, no matter how basic or beginner, as you've you seen you know, today, no matter how stupid they are, hold, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, feel free to to drop me a DM. I mean, I look at my DMs. Um, you know, if you're asking to, uh, you know, like meet the band or something, or get like free tickets, like I'm probably not going to respond. Yeah. Um, but you know, when people have like legitimate questions, although the one thing that I learned quickly, some people would like give me a nice compliment, and I would respond. And then the next question would be like, oh, what hotel are you guys staying at? It's like, come on. Ugh. You know, you, you, you sort of the, the give an inch, take a yard kind of thing. So don't do that. Don't, don't be that guy. Yeah. So annoying. I know the feeling, dude. The little yeah. bait and switch shit. It's annoying, yeah. but whatever. You are the man, dude. This has, been, this has been really fun. It's been, a, it's been a good hang. Good. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Take, I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Bye. All right. Bye.